So does your career energize you with life or does it drain you? Recent Gallup polls show that a whopping 70% of us feel disengaged in the workplace. There's just gotta be a better way. Welcome to our authentic careers where it is my job to uncover the ideas and strategies that can help you become better aligned with your career. I'm your host, Gert Sabar, and I interview people like you and me about the twists and turns in their career paths so that we can all achieve greater clarity, meaning, and fulfillment in ours. You know, having now interviewed nearly 100 guests over the past one and a half years, I'm consistently struck by the consistencies in our paths. One of which, whether we like it or not, is that so many of us seem to grow up with dueling concepts of what it is we think we should be or want to be when we grow up. For example, for this week's guest, Seth Jacobson, the lifelong battle appears to have been between the ideas of public service and documentary filmmaking. Spoiler alert, Seth today runs a highly regarded public affairs outfit in California. But as you'll soon hear, Seth looks for every opportunity to let his inner documentarian come out and play. And more often than not, he does so in the context of his public affairs role. And interestingly, that's usually how it seems to go for so many of us. We end up with a dominant profession, but then strive to find all sorts of opportunities to work in that other less dominant side of us. And that's neither here nor there, just an observation. So without further ado, please allow me to present to you my conversation with Seth Jacobson. All right. Well, Seth, thank you, first of all, for for agreeing to share your journey. No worries. Question number one for you. Do you ever think about the concept of purpose or mission or what it is I'm meant to be doing here on this planet? You know, girl, I think about it all the time, actually. And in every element of my life, I try and keep a mission and purpose around helping the world and helping people around me. And I think that ever since my, you know, first job, which was uh, canvassing in New Hampshire for George McGovern when I was Oh, a wee age of, I don't know, 10 or 11 years old. Um, I, I've always had this desire, and I think it was instilled in me by my parents who were both in the, the one was in the journalism field, one was in the anthropology field, is that it's really important to have a mission and a goal that not only is in line with what you want to achieve, but it's in line with helping those around you. So, absolutely. And so when you say you've you, you've had that sense... 10 years of age, when your parents instilled that in you, how did that concept of service to others become known to you? And how did it, how was it instilled? You know, I think the, the most effective way uh, for them to communicate that to me was really in practice. And so watching them help others, like, my mother spent time going to India and working in uh, in Madras, helping women uh, figure out um, new forms of mothering and and kinship uh, behavior as an anthropologist. And uh, she dragged me along once, so uh, you know that 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 was certainly um, 
certainly an exciting uh, element. And then my father, who taught journalism and was a journalist, uh, I listened to him often talk about the balance of uh, how to tell a story and the importance of, of understanding everyone around you and understanding the world around you and, and making sure that you get things absolutely correct and it's fair and balanced and understood. And yeah. so I think those, those examples are really what set, set in motion my own personal journey. How old were you when you went to India with your mom? The first time I was uh, uh, 11 years old. And is that at a, at sort of an, an instructive trip? Is that we're going to go to India to do this? Or is it sort of she's taking you to India and you kind of discover it as you're there? So it was sort of like I'm going uh, for my my work and my study because she did her PhD work over there. Uh-huh. And you either are coming along or you're going to sit with your grandmother all summer. Right. So <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I thought, hmm. I'd rather travel halfway around the world and see the see another part of the world. So it was very exciting. Got it. So then this concept of service to others enters your mind. How does it get extrapolated to the political realm? You start volunteering for George McGovern. So what happened was I started volunteering for George McGovern and and I got sort of hooked uh-huh. into the into the political game. And then next thing you know, I you know was finding myself um, asked to, you know, help out and I work in different campaigns. And, uh, you know, even, even when I was in high school, I served on the student council and was one of the first student representatives on the board of education. It just sort of all sort of kept moving in that direction. And then, you know, I, I had a real fascination with political science. So in college I studied political science and kind of all fit together in a nice, neat package for in a way. Yeah. And so, Seth, I'm going to ask this question from another angle. Are you today in your career where you thought you would be when you were younger? Absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> I thought I thought I was going to be a uh, uh, in in the world of um, documentary filmmaking. And oh. I, I thought I was going to follow in the footsteps of the journalism career that my dad had. And what happened was I ended up volunteering uh, for my first political campaign and making $50 a week. Uh, and then next thing you know, I was volunteering for Jimmy Carter and he ended it. And then I ended up working in the white house. So, I mean, it okay. was kind of like a, a unbelievable journey that, you know, at a very young age, I mean, I was 20, 20 years old when I got my first job in the white house. It was staggeringly young and right. didn't know anything, didn't know anything about the world, but I had a lot of fun. Walk us back a little bit. What happens to this idea of being a documentary filmmaker? When did that first enter your consciousness? I think it it entered my consciousness when I was taken to a documentary film by my dad, who took me to a um, a really really early documentary about Jane Goodall. You remember that yeah, she's an anthropologist that, that um, did all the work on the chimpanzees and yep. so she. He took me to that, and I was just so fascinated by the fact that you could actually go see a film that wasn't just sheer entertainment, and you could really kind of find out about somebody else's uh, experience and journey, and or it would tell a story. And, and I just thought, my goodness, storytelling, that's what I want to do. At what point does you know, sort of that idea fall off in exchange for public service? 
So I think what happened was in college, my last year in college, I got hooked into the into the world of politics, and I um, when I was hooked into a presidential campaign, and when I saw the extreme. I don't know, it was just so exciting and interesting to travel around the country. I was in a different city every week with, uh, with uh, either the, the, the president or the president-to-be or the vice president-to-be. And, um, and it just was so fascinating that it kind of derailed everything else. And I said, hmm, I'm going to do this. And then next thing you know, he won. Uh-huh. And uh, I was in Washington, D.C. and, you know, it wasn't about filmmaking or documentaries. It was about, you know, helping people and working in the government and, you know, doing energy policy and working on international affairs. And it was fascinating. And it was such an exciting time that, you know, I probably could have gone in a million different directions, but that one was the one that was chosen for me. Yeah. And so now today, uh, where you are today and you're looking back and, and considering those two things, how do those two things stack up in your mind? I mean, is, is documentary filmmaking something that still piques your interest? It does. And I'm actually, I, I include it in my work as much as I can. So uh-huh. I'm, always, I'm always looking for ways to tell stories. And now with social media and the ability to, to, to shoot a movie with an iPhone in 20 seconds, um, I look in many, many ways with clients to find interesting ways to tell those stories. So in, in many ways I'm doing what I thought I would do, yeah. but it's, but it's, but it's also melding in the idea that you can help, uh, pursue various issues that are near and dear to me, whether it's the environment or healthcare or technology advancement or the economy or whatever. Yep. So, you know, I can help clients seek, you know, succeed in their goals and at the same time um, do it in really creative ways now. So I, I see the two have reached a nexus, but I think it's only because technology has advanced so far. But otherwise, I, if it hadn't, I'd probably be, um, you know, just grinding it out as a as a uh, public affairs PR person with them, you know. Yeah. And so um, what did you study in college? Public I studied public policy, so yep. it was public policy and then film and television. So it was a mix mix of the two. Got it. And so what did you do coming right out of college? Right out of college, I got a job working uh, for a, um, a candidate who was running for mayor of New York City. Uh-huh. And uh, the candidate didn't go anywhere, and the the campaign didn't go anywhere, but he introduced me to a gentleman named Jody Powell, who ended up being Jimmy yep. Carter's press secretary. Yep. And I, Jody Powell hired me, as I said, for $50 a week. And I, I went up to New Hampshire and, and walked in the snow with, uh, with the Carter family going door to door and handling press. Right. And, uh, right age of 20 and 21 so it was it was a pretty exciting time and seth when you think about um your involvement and in, in the political sphere today and you compare it you know back to those days when you first got into it is the feeling the same it's totally different 
you know, politics now is very much about money and who's beating up on whom. It's a totally different environment. Yeah. Um, you know, you think back even even 10 years ago, um, we had a much more civil discourse than we do now. So, yeah, it's it's changed a lot. And I, I'm not sure that if I were a young person getting out of college today, I would look at politics and say, wow, that's great. I want to jump in there. Yeah, uh, yeah. In fact, I have that conversation often with my own kids, you know, and I say to they when they ask me what I do, and they're like, really? Right. <laughs> you, want, you do that? Right. Why would you want to do that? <laughs> um, take us back again. Um, so when you're first introduced to the political sphere, what is it that gets you so hooked? I think what gets me that that's gets me so hooked is the idea that I can actually help people solve problems, Uh uh, real meaningful problems, whether it's somebody who's, you know, can't afford to put dinner on the table. And so we, you know, we help them, you know, with economic policies or finding a way. um, One of the most, I think probably one of the most interesting things I ever did was I was with um, the Clinton campaign and the re-election, and uh, we were able to do a series of workshops around the country with small business leaders. Yeah, and and we were it was not just you know show up and and do a pretty picture and and have a an event. We actually solved problems. We helped them get loans. We helped them get uh, understand the nature of how government works, and to see government work for the people. Yeah, which is which is hard for many people to even believe <laughs> today, happens, right? Um, is is really something that still gives me great pleasure. Yeah, and I, I think that's what got me hooked to be to really be able to help people. Is that what got you hooked when you first started volunteering for George McGovern? No, what got me hooked then was the idea that I had the ability to really do something purposeful purposeful you know yep, yep. in 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 your life um, more than just making money or um having fun it was it was really an interesting experience to go door to door and meet people and and hear their stories and have them tell you why they felt the way they did about life and about the world and and back in 1972 it was it was quite different you know people were anxious about the world they were anxious about money they were all the same things we're dealing with now but it was a much more civil discourse you didn't have people yelling and screaming and right and calling calling people names <laughs> so you remember actively being sort of in, uh, on the inside being moved by this idea of just going door to door talking to people and hearing their stories I do. Plus, it was really fun, you know. Uh-huh. At, the age, at the age of, uh, um, let's see, I was seventeen. It was really fun. I mean, it was exciting, you know. I, you don't often get to do those kinds of things, and I was, you know, bright and bushy-tailed. And right. My last year in high school, and I was out and about, and you know, the national press was following him around, and there was all kinds of exciting things to learn and, and interesting things to to learn about. Yeah. I, I remember meeting um, a gentleman who was the uh, New York Times reporter covering the McGovern campaign. And he told me all these 
salty dog stories of traveling on the bus and hearing all these great stories about people that I'd only read in books, read about in books. And right. it was fascinating. It was fascinating and just hooked me in. Yeah. And Seth, was there, a, this might be a weird question, but was there any part of you that felt that you were at that age getting to experience something that's sort of beyond your years or you kind of can't believe that you're getting to experience what you're experiencing? Every day uh-huh. I felt that. Every day I felt completely uh, out of my league. But I think that I think that was actually something that kept pushing me ahead. And I would I would always in fact I encourage anybody I talk to I'm talking to about their life challenges is is to try and pick something you think you're maybe not prepared for and and strive to get there and strive to succeed because if you don't succeed at least you know you tried and at least right. you, you can you can maybe uh that you that you made the effort and you know it'll come back around and you'll try again or you'll try something new so yep i i, I think pushing myself to that extra limit and and trying to figure out as i was going along what was going on was really exciting i mean you don't often get the opportunity to learn on the job, and that's exactly what the opportunity I had. Seth, can you tell the listeners what it is that you do today? So what I do now is I, I blend public relations and government relations. So basically, if, if a client or an individual or an organization is um, dealing with an issue or uh, their product has has uh, having problems or there's a crisis, there's always some element of either public policy or government or community outreach or coalition building that's necessary to sort of make things happen, to transition yep. from from being in a place of either stagnation to a place of action or from a place of action to a place of, you know, of... of increased action or if you're working in a in a in a public relations sense you want to now more than ever it's not just all about media and buying media and and being on television it's also about going grassroots so we do a lot of grassroots outreach and getting groups and organizations and individuals excited about products and about issues that ultimately help companies and organizations um, succeed. Thinking back about your career and the decisions you've made along the way, what impact would you say that your parents had on you, either implicitly or explicitly? They instilled in me this desire to constantly learn and, and strive to learn more and different things, to never never sit on your laurels and feel like, oh, I know what I'm doing and I know I know what's best or... I've learned everything I can learn. Um, yep. that, that no matter where you are and what point you are in your life, there's always something to learn from whether from somebody older or maybe somebody much much younger. Right. And so, it, I think that probably was the, the the most powerful thing that they instilled in me. Yep. Constant desire to to learn and, and absorb the world around me. Seth, on a scale of 0 to 10, where 0 is a total non-issue and 10 is a big, dark, gloomy shadow, how large a shadow would you say that financial considerations have had over your career path to date? I put it like a 6. Uh-huh. Because 
I, when I was getting out of college, I had the opportunity to have a, a job in New York City um, working at a television station, which probably would have paid me a lot of money. But instead, I, took the, I veered to the left, as I told you, and, and took a job for $50 a week. Right. So I probably could have been making three times what I was making, but uh, I chose to do something a little bit more interesting and entertaining and less money. So I, I put it like right in the middle. But, you know, as I've gotten older and, and you know, have more responsibilities, my financial considerations take a bigger or greater role. Thinking back... Seth, on your career and thinking back on your friends, family, and colleagues throughout the years, is there a consistent thread in the type of advice or counsel that people have sought from you throughout the years? The, the question that more than anyone ever asks is, so, so how, did it, how did you get where you are and how did it happen? And, and often, and can I do the same thing? And and many times it's just luck, you know, being in the right place at the right time or, yep. or hard work or a combination of both. And so I think the thread is always, you know, so how do I get that luck? You know, what, what's, what stone do I rub? Right. Um, what, how do I find the, the magic, uh, the magic to, to do what it is you're doing or what you're doing? And, you know, quite frankly, it's just been a matter of, of, time and putting in the energy and and just as i said tackling things that who knew if i could ever succeed in it but you know i decided i wanted to do it and i succeeded in it looking back what would you say has been the biggest aggravation of your professional journey to date biggest aggravation i think has been that i didn't i don't have enough time to dig into things really deeply that there's always, you know, there's always a crisis or there's always something that comes up. So I've had to sort of jump from one issue to the next, to the next, to the next. Yep. Where, whereas I would probably have often thought, hmm, I really would have liked to just sort of sunk my teeth into that particular thing and, and really run with it for a couple of years. But I just haven't had the luxury to do that. Yeah, talk to me about this idea of needing to sink your teeth into something. Is that is that sort of a is that an urge you feel? It is. It is. As I've gotten more progressed in my career, I've I've often thought that it, it's it's very interesting to dig deeper into one or more things. So, as an example, I'm fascinated by how people make purchasing decisions and how people decide which way they're going to vote and how they, they're influenced by either the media or by um, various um, you know, other individuals, influencers. And I've, I'm exposed to it and I often talk to clients about how to do certain elements of it. But I've, I've always wondered that wouldn't it be kind of cool to jump into the sort of the opinion research or the research element of, of something and just dive into it for a year and find out, you know, like a, like a research scientist would do. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, or go back to school and teach it for a while, maybe, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And, um, and again, this might seem like a silly question, but when's the earliest you can remember having this urge to dig into things deeply? I think it really 
for the most part, didn't happen until probably midway through my my early career years because mm-hmm. you know the first 15 or so years of my career um i was just so interested in just pursuing all kinds of different things and i i wanted to be excited and engaged every day in something new so it didn't matter but as i got more into strategic planning and management and helping other people I realized that it was really important to sort of dive deeper into things so that you really can understand them in a greater sort of contextual way. A couple more questions here before we wrap up on, on um, what would you, again, looking back, what would you tout as your biggest career highlight to date? I was, I was very involved in, with the, in the Clinton administration in passing um, significant technology uh, reform. Mm -hmm. In other words, technology enhancement reform. In other words, there was a whole sort of business engagement program, and it was a package of of bills that we worked on. And um, what it was was sort of the early stages of encouraging the growth of um, of what you know, has now become the Silicon Valley and technology, the technology universe, the internet. And right. all of that was just starting in the 90s. And um, it got a big boost from the incentive programs. So I would say that, and also probably the most exciting thing I ever did was um, I was with the uh, president, um, President Carter, for the Egyptian-Israeli peace treaty signing. Oh, wow. Uh, and I went to Camp David for that and worked on um, worked as a aide while they negotiated the final deal. And then when they um, signed it at the White House signing ceremony, I was there. And, uh, so I would say that in terms of highlights, that, that, was, that was pretty phenomenal. Yeah, that's a pretty big highlight. What was that experience like? It was... It was overwhelmingly exciting, um, particularly being in um, being in the thick of watching the negotiation happen and being there when you know they would go back and forth between the various groups and teams and make decisions. And I mean, I was on the sidelines; I was just an aide yep. doing research and analysis, but I was there, and so it was very exciting. Yeah, and as that's happening, and you're there as an aide, what's driving you at that moment in time? And when you're when you're kind of thinking of yourself back then, what what what's the internal driver that's really getting uh, triggered? You know, I think I was just um, a, a precocious, you know, young um, political activist and uh, it was so adrenaline and and excitement and and the thrill of being around all these powerful people and and um you know traveling everywhere and getting these experiences that i probably never would have had if you know if i'd taken a desk job somewhere right so i think that's what was driving me more than anything so last question here, Seth, knowing what you know today, how would you advise your younger self? I think I would tell my younger self now that um, one thing I, I, I would have done a little differently 
is I would have gone out and gotten a little bit more experience in terms of how you sort of operate in the world of, of business. In other words, getting just a little bit of business experience under my belt because when I, when I, I really didn't have any business experience, you know, I came out of straight out of college into, into a, to a, an environment that wasn't about, it was on the other side, you know, it was on the policy and political side, not on the business side. So, so then when I was thrust out into the business world, 10 or 15 years later, um, I really didn't have, you know, sort of the nuts and bolts training of, you know, how, how do you, you know, manage people and how do you, you know, create good relationships and how do you do solid business intelligence and research and all those things I had to learn, uh, which I, I probably would have enjoyed having a little bit of that before I went into the work that I went into. Yeah. Well, fantastic. Seth Jacobson, thank you very much for your time. Really, really interesting conversation. I appreciate it. Gerard, thanks so much. I appreciated it and enjoyed it. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Our Authentic Careers with me, your host, Gert Sabar. If you like what you just heard, I hope you'll let your family, friends, and colleagues know all about this little podcast. And since it's early days here at the OAC, your rating and especially your review of the show on iTunes would also be hugely helpful and very much appreciated. If you think you or someone you know would be a great guest, please, 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 please don't hesitate to reach out at ourauthenticcareers.com.